Let's get right into it. So I'm going to read over the scripture one more time. All right. Now John wore a garment of Hamel's hair and a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. Then Jerusalem and all Judea and all the regions about the Jordan were going about, out to him. And they were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. And when they saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruit in keeping with repentance, and do not presume to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. Even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Every tree that therefore does not bear fruit, good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. Father God, I pray for all of us as we're in here right now, Lord. Speak through me. I want these guys to listen. To the believers, I hope hopefully this message will help them grow. And for the non-believers, I hope this will stir something in their heart, Lord, to learn more about you. We love you. In your son's name I pray, amen. So, as I start, I got a challenge for you guys. All right? We good? We good with that? All right, my challenge is, are you willing to be different for the cause of Christ? All right, so we're going to go into that this evening. And we're going to first start out with an intro, because a lot of you guys don't know me. And that's one of the reasons why I think it's cool that I'm up here, is because not all you guys know me. Um, my name's Marcos. Um, I've been going here for about, I've been going for about a year, but youth-wise, I've only been going for about four months. So it's really cool to be up here, and I've gotten to speak with a lot of you guys, well, some of you guys, so there's a lot of you out here, and it's been, it's been really nice. This is a great place. And I'm going to tell you guys a little bit about myself. Um, I'm one of seven. I'm one of seven. Um, I'm the second oldest. There's six boys and one girl. So, yeah. Hey, she's the princess, though. She's like, I think she's six. Yeah, she is sixth in line. So she's the princess. Um, one of the reasons why I didn't start going until four months ago is because I did lawn care. Does anyone do lawn care in here? Anybody? Yes, sir. One dude. Yeah, lawn care. <laughs> One guy. <laughs> well, I saw another one. There you go. One more. So I did lawn care, and I recently quit, and I started coming to youth, and I don't regret it at all. Um, I'll give some fun facts that hopefully will give you guys an opportunity to come up and talk to me later on. Um, I love to read. Any readers? Do we have any readers? One? Oh, we have a ton. Awesome. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Um, I'm, reading like, I'm reading like two books at a time. So I'm reading Lord of the Rings. Anyone read Lord of the Rings? Yes, sir. There you go. Yeah, I'm reading Lord of the Rings. I try to read those like every year. So, yeah, they're, they're awesome. And then I'm reading another, I'm reading a book, a theology book you guys can buy in the store. It's, it's called um, How Then Should We Live? And it's on Western, Western culture from a Christian perspective. So those are two books I'm reading. I'm not going to talk much longer, then we're going to get into the lesson, I promise. And then, one more thing, I'm big on music. I'm sure a lot of you guys are. And I'll talk about it just a little bit later. I'm a huge Beatles fan. I only listen to the Beatles. All right? So I'll, talk, I'll touch on that in a, in a little bit. But, all right, no, I'm done talking. We're going to get into the lesson. So, my first point for you guys, for you guys taking notes. You guys ready? We good? All right, John the Baptist was different in his appearance. Now John wore a garment of camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. This verse tells us what John the Baptist wore and ate. It's pretty straightforward. I mean, now, if we break this verse down and add some context, there's a bit more to his appearance than you'd probably think. 
So let's first talk about what he wore. Now, John wore a garment of camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist. Now, does anybody want to take a guess who else dressed like this? Nobody. Nobody? Elijah. There you go. <laughs> yeah, Elijah did. And if we go to 2 Kings verse one, chapter 1, verse 8, we read that he wore a garment of hair and a leather belt. They answered him, he wore a garment of hair and a belt of leather around his waist. And he said, it is Elijah the Tishabite. It makes sense to Elijah that he would look like Elijah because if we go later on to the New Testament, in Luke 1, verse 17, God tells Zechariah, John the Baptist's father, that he would go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah. And he would go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. Now, who is God referring to when he says him? Well, let's go to the Old Testament. In Malachi verse three, chapter 3, verse 1, he says, Behold, I send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to this temple, and the messenger of the covenant, in whom you delight, behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. <clears throat> Here he says, God will send a messenger to prepare the way for the messenger. Now, if we go to the end of the book, in chapter 4, verse 5, we're told that the first messenger will be Elijah the prophet. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. But, as we saw in Luke, it's not actually Elijah himself. It is John the Baptist in the spirit of Elijah. But who is the messenger? Well, the messenger is Jesus Christ. So we know that John the Baptist dressed this way to appear as Elijah which was prophesied years before, in which he sh I'm sure he did out of obedience to the scriptures, to prepare the way for Christ. Now the second part of this verse talks about what he ate. And his food was locusts and wild honey. It doesn't say this is all that he ate, but the message that this verse is trying to get across is that he lived off of what was provided in the wilderness. <clears throat> which fulfills the prophecy in Isaiah 40, verse 3, a voice cries in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. So he couldn't fulfill this verse unless he went in the wilderness. So both locusts and honey are very accessible. And for a prophet on a mission to prepare the way for Christ, an accessible snack is always a good thing. When you're following Christ, <clears throat> when you're following Christ, your appearance will change. John could have lived like the rest of the Jews of his day, could have ate normal food, could have had a house, lived in comfort, could have worn more comfortable clothes. But he chose to obey God and fulfill the prophecies of the Old Testament instead, which led, to living him, which led to him living a life separate from the world around him. But in return, he was held in high praise to the Son of God, which attracted others. Now, I'm going to tell you a little story about when I was younger, and I was going into high school. I'm homeschooled, so it's, um, you kind of like, how do I, um, how do I say this? You feel the need, you want to look cool. You want to look like the other actual high schoolers, you know? You know where this is going. I made this mistake. It sounds like some of you guys made this mistake too. <laughs> so I wanted to look like the other high schoolers. So, you know, I got, like, fresh Nikes. I got, like, all the fancy clothes. 
I want to look cool. I had social media. I had all this cool stuff. I was like, all right, I'm cool now. I was like, I appear like my peers. And, as I, and the Lord convicted me. And he's like, why would you want to look like the rest of the world? We're called, it clearly says we're called to live separate from the world. And honestly, it, it, did, it was tough. I mean, because I went from someone that was gaining so much attention because the way I looked and this, this, and that. And to, I just felt the need just to drop it because it's not what's important. Because I'm, I'm going to get to it in a second. But my appearance was, I was just another one, I was just one of the dudes. I, was just, I looked the same. I act the same, and ultimately, that's not what we're called to do. So I changed my appearance. When I wear this, this is one simple way I change my appearance. I wear a What Would Jesus Do bracelet. Yes, sir. So I did lawn care, and I worked with a lot of older guys. I was one of the youngest guys there. I kid you not, they would always just pick on me, and and like, because I would wear a What Would Jesus Do bracelet. They're like, you're, they're like, dude, you're the biggest one out of all of us. You're supposed to look like a man, and here you are wearing a what would Jesus do bracelet. And I would always smile. They'd always tease me. But I was okay with the teasing because at least they were noticing. They were noticing that I was following Jesus. They were noticing that whenever I did anything with my left hand, I was always saying, what would Jesus do? So that's something that me personally I was convicted about with my appearance. But back to, the, back to what we're going to. Which my second point is, so because of the way he appeared, John the Baptist attracted others, which moves into my second point. In verse 5, then Jerusalem and all Judea and all the regions about the Jordan were going out to him, and they were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his disciples, he said to them, I'm going to leave you guys on a cliffhanger for that part. It's not crazy to think that someone who looked like Elijah, lived in the wilderness, and was telling people to repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, fulfilling the scriptures would attract people. So much so that all Jerusalem, all Judea, and all the regions about the Jordan were coming to see him. Now, obviously, when he's referring to all, he does not mean all the people came. But the reason Matthew uses the word all is simply say, there's a lot of people. And when you attract so many people that the word all has to be used, and when you are preaching, that, when you're preaching something like repentance, it can be either convicting or condemning. Now, I want to clarify what attraction I am talking about. I'm not talking about, like, like attraction, okay? I'm talking about the attraction that you will have when you are representing and appearing for Christ. It will be Christ through you that attracts, not actually you yourself that's attracting. So is that we good? Does that clarify? All right. So I'm going to ask you guys, sorry, <clears throat> dang, goodness. <laughs> Your attraction is going to be both positive and negative. So for a little bit, so you guys can, so you guys can get involved, I'm going to ask you guys a couple of questions. And simply, I'm going to ask you, do you agree with this? You guys raise your hand. If you guys don't agree, keep your hand down, and I'll ask the same thing. If you guys disagree, raise your hand. If you guys don't agree, if you guys d- don't agree, raise your hand. You get what I'm saying? You get what I'm saying? All right. So, first question. Ready? Or first statement. Reese's is the best candy in the world. All right. Yes? Agreed. Yes? Okay. All right. All right. Who disagrees? Who disagrees? Yeah. Boo. <laughs> All right. 
God bless you. Thank you so much. <laughs> All right. Second, second. Ready, guys? Beatles are the best band in the world. Come on. One, somebody. Thank you. Somebody. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Who disagrees with that? We got time. I'll talk with you guys. Uh, we got time. It's going to be okay. I want to do a sports one, but I don't think most of you guys will get it. You want me to do a sport one? A sport one? All right. I'm not going, MJ. Nikola Jokic is the best offensive center ever. Let's see it. Let's see it. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah. Yeah. All right. If you don't, if you don't understand that question... It's fine. But whoever disagrees with that question, I want to see your hand. <laughs> it's not a question. My bad. All right. But you guys get the point. There's both a positive and negative to any statement that, for any of the statements I just made. Is that, we got that? We good? All right. So let's get to the positives. All right. The positives of John the Baptist's attraction, which is in verse 6. And they were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. The main positive was that the people were getting convicted by John's message and confessing their sins and were getting baptized. John's faith in God, which led him to leave what was comfortable and in changing his appearance to attract and lead people to repentance, is of more value than any comfort out there. Do you believe that? Are you willing to be uncomfortable on earth so that others can have comfort in heaven? Are you willing to appear different from the world so that you can attract others, giving you the opportunity to share the gospel. Because overall, that is our goal. As believers, that is our goal and our attraction. Yep. It's not to look good. It's not to this. It's, not, it's none of that. Our goal is to ultimately get to the point where we can share the gospel with another, with another person. That's what we're called to do. If you are willing, you will be blessed. And others around you will be too. But not all will be saved. Some will reject you and the gospel or even hurt you which leads to the negatives of attraction. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, you brood of vipers. I'm going to leave on a cliffhanger one last time. The Pharisees and Sadducees were also attracted to John the Baptist and his teachings. For he was baptizing those who were repenting in a way of cleansing them in preparation for the Messiah. John the Baptist attracted them in the way he looked, resembling Elijah, and where he taught, referring to him preaching in the wilderness and fulfilling the prophecies in Isaiah, as well as why he was baptizing. He was a walking insult to what the Pharisees and Sadducees believed and taught. In Judaism, Gentiles are required to undergo a purification rite of cleansing. So it insulted the Pharisees and Sadducees to see that John was treating the Jews as if they were as unclean as Gentiles. They found his teaching to be heretical and insulting. The way we look, the way we look, act, and speak determines what kind of people we will attract. So John the Baptist has this problem now. He has attracted a bunch of skeptical and insulted religious leaders. So now John must faithfully take action, which leads to my third point. John the Baptist was different in his actions. And he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruit in keeping with your repentance. Do not presume to say to yourselves, We have Elijah as our Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. 
Even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. John the Baptist comes out swinging. <laughs> he calls them a brood of vipers. Basically calling them the worst of the worst. When he tells them they cannot escape the wrath to come, the Old Testament promised the coming of the Lord in righteous judgment. John will not allow the leaders to suppose that the cup of God's wrath is only for Israel's enemies and that their own nation will escape. John is later puzzled when Jesus does not bring immediate judgment. You could say he was just human and seeking validation that his message was correct. Because when Jesus comes, he comes preaching what John preached. Not giving out instant judgment like John expected. Verse 8 refers to the acts that indicate an inner righteousness, not merely outward conformity. Since the Pharisees considered themselves to be the righteous of their day, these words cut deep. Even while hearing these words, their hearts are still hardened. For they think, since we are the sons of Abraham, they will avoid judgment. But John says, God is able from these stones to raise up Abraham, raise up children for Abraham. Basically saying that being a child of Abraham means nothing. Even though they have Abraham as their father, they do not have God. Verse 10, John gives his final warning. He says, the axe is laid, judgment is coming. Every tree that does not bear fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. Just as the kingdom is imminent, so is judgment. The coming of one implies the other. John does not yet know that Jesus' immediate task is not to bring judgment, but to bear it himself. I made a statement earlier referring to John questioning if Jesus was the indeed Messiah. That statement comes <clears throat> from chapter 11, verses 2 through 3 of the same book. Now when John heard in prison about the deeds of Christ, he sent word by his disciples and said to him, Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? John the Baptist predicted that the coming one would bring judgment, chopping down the trees of wickedness. But in chapter 11, John is in jail for, for teaching repentance. And as he hears reports of Jesus' exorcisms and miraculous healings that show that he's actually the Messiah, but at the same time allowed his forerunner, the one who prepared the way, to be imprisoned by the wicked King Herod, invoking John's question on whether he is indeed the royal executor of divine justice for which God's suffering people have been longing for. When Christ first came down from heaven, it was not to condemn the world, but to save it. He didn't come to judge. He came to take on judgment. Christ died on the cross, was buried, and three days later rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven, leaving his believers the Holy Spirit, so that we might have wisdom and discernment apart from the culture. John the Baptist was right in his preaching. It just wasn't revealed to him that Christ's judgment will happen during his second coming. As believers and as a church, are we preparing the way for Christ's second coming? Are we separate from the world in our appearance, attraction, and our actions? Non-believers, are you ready for judgment? Christ is coming back. Repent now, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. I'm going to share a story 
Um, my best friend, other than, of course, my brothers, I've known him for about three years. I met him doing lawn care. At the time, I was about 15, 14, and he was about 17 or 18. He was not a believer. He was far from it. And we would always, it's very funny how it works out, he was my partner. That's the dude I had to work with for two, for two and a half years before he quit. He's a non-believer. He lived the total opposite of my life. And as a quote I heard a while back, if you're in a room with a sick person and you don't have the cure, you'll be sick. But if you have the cure, you can save that person and yourself. I had the cure, and that was the gospel. The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, my personal Savior. And I shared that with him every single day we worked. And every single day for about two years, he rejected. He told me the church wronged him. He told me God couldn't love him for the things he's done. And every single day, I kept telling him the same thing. God loves you for who you are, but he hates your sin. And you must repent. You must repent. That's the same message, the same message that John preaches here, the same message that applies to non-believers today. And he rejected, and he re- it got to the point where he would just be like, no, 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 I don't want to hear it, I don't want to hear it, because we play basketball all the time. And then something happened. He got, into, he got into a really bad car crash. And I didn't know it at first. I was just my own business. I was, I was, I think it was about, I think it was about October this, this year, or last year. I was blowing up somebody's driveway, jamming out to the Beatles. You guys probably wouldn't relate. And he calls me, and I'm like, I'm like, he's like, hey, buddy. And I'm like, what's up? He's like, so, I got something to tell you. And I was like, all right, what's up? And he's like, um, I just flipped my truck into a 10-foot ditch. And I was like, wow, okay. And totaled his truck, absolutely destroyed it. It flipped everything. He crawled out of one of the broken windows, and it hit him. And that's what he told me. He's like, I could have just died. For once, he was thinking long-term. He was thinking for eternity. Are you thinking about eternity? Non-believers, I'm talking to you guys. Are you guys thinking about eternity? Because sometimes as teenagers, we get caught up in the moment. You know, we worry about, we get caught up in what's going on. And we never seem to think about the future. Well, after that car crash, he really started to listen every single time I shared the gospel. And me and a group of other friends really came around and we prayed. We all continued to minister to him. And he accepted Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. And I kid you not, when he called me, same thing. At night, I'm stunned. He's like, hey, buddy. I'm like, what's up? He's like, so. I was like, oh, great. And he's like, I got saved. And it was, the ha- it was one of the happiest moments of my life. The feeling of leading somebody else to salvation is just amazing. Because you know it's not you. It's, you know it's not you. It's not you. You're just as bad as the other person. The difference is, is that one of you is thinking long-term, the other one isn't. Hey, this is when it gets really good. 
He accepted the call to ministry. And he is serving his local church. He's growing continuously. His whole life has changed around. You can't tell, you can't tell me, non-believers, you can't make, you got to stop making excuses. You can't tell me it's not real. My Savior, my Lord and Savior, I'm talking about myself, my personal Lord and Savior is alive today, he's alive then, and he'll be alive for forever. He is coming back. I'm telling you, he's coming back, guys. You guys will bow your heads with me, close your eyes. I asked a question, all right? My question was, are you willing to be different for the cause of Christ? Believers in the room, if, you're, if you feel like one of these points has hit you and you're like, I just, I need to get right. I encourage you right now to get right. This is a, this is a moment for you guys to pray, talk to God, and get right. Get right with him. Non-believers, if you... This message has perked your ears. This message is on your heart. And you want to do this. You want to appear differently from the world. You want Christ through you to attract others. And then once you've attracted others, you want to take action and share the gospel. If you feel like you want, if this is something you want to do, I got a fourth A for you. You got to accept you got to accept. <laughs> he wants to be your Lord and Savior. He really does. But he's not going to force you to. He won't force you to accept. You have to accept. So I'm going to pray with you guys. And there'll be leaders. I'm sure there'll be leaders in the back. I'll be back there if you want to talk, talk with me. I would love to walk you through the plan of salvation. I would love to. And I know other people would. So I'm going to pray for you guys, and then we'll go back to worshiping. Father God, God, you are awesome. You are amazing. You are almighty, and you are full of grace and mercy. Thank you for this opportunity that you've given me to teach my peers, to give them the lesson. I pray that this spoke to some of I pray it spoke to all of them. I pray for the believers and encourages them to grow. I pray that it encourages them to work on their appearance, to work on their attraction, and to work on their actions. Non-believers, for the non-believers, I pray, Lord, that you will give them the courage to come talk to somebody. There's going to be tons of adults in the back, and they're going to play some amazing music, Lord. Whereas we worship you, give them the strength, give them the courage, give them the courage to walk to the back and talk with us. And if not, if there's, it's okay. I'm going to lead them through somewhat of a little prayer. This prayer does not save, this, this, not, this, non-believers, this prayer does not save you but it is a way to talk to God. Just simply pray. Father God, I'm a sinner. I know that I've sinned. Father God, I believe that your son is the true God, that he died on the cross, was buried, and rose three days later. You accept him into your heart. And then we rejoice. Rejoice. Father God, bless this time of worship. I love you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.